Josh, um, uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to, to the fight. Um, uh, have you seen much of, of James Tennyson in the past? Yeah, yeah, I've watched him for for a while actually. I've seen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just just probably when he was coming up a bit, just used to follow the box track kind of around the world. So I, I paid attention to him then, but seeing some of his older fights, I was, uh, I like the way he fights. It's a fun guy to watch. Yeah, um, he's been he's been stopped three times, but but uh, since he moved up to lightweight, he's looked, uh, you know, extremely good. You know, um, you're a you're a career lightweight. I mean, do, will that have a big factor in in the fight? Do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He's a strong kid, right? I might be a bigger guy than him, um, but I definitely like he's got the power in it. So uh, I don't know how much. I'm not a massive lightweight. I don't think so. I don't know how much it'll it affect. Fight. We both got to make 135, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned his power. He's a, he's a terrific hitter. Um, how do you how do you sort of avoid uh, getting on the end of um, of some of his big shots on Friday night? Just got to be sharp and turned on. Um, you know, he, uh, he the, the the thing is, he he really likes guys to sit in front of him, so you got to keep him off balance a little bit, and. Um, you know, a little bit of lateral movement. Like, guys have done really, really well with him in parts, but but they, a lot of them exert too much energy where he kind of catches up with them in the long haul, right? Um, I thought Gavin Gwynn did a good job too, and, you know, he, he would close distance so that he couldn't punch sometimes. You got to kind of mix it up, though, a little bit of lateral movement and a little bit of just, you know, taking away space. So you've got to stay on your toes in and, and box clever against him? Definitely, yeah. At points, at, at point, there's going to be points in the fight too where, where you know, you definitely need to get the guy's respect where he doesn't need to just keep coming in. You know what I mean? You got to get that respect there. So um, uh, that's, that's uh, the plan is early to not get caught up in anything crazy and then pick my shot so that he can slow down as the fight goes on. Well, can I just ask finally, um, obviously you've, you've got an Irish name. What are, what are your Irish roots? Uh, yeah, my grandfather was from, uh, his, his grandfather was from Ireland. We don't really know a whole lot about where we're from or nothing. My grandfather's dad died when he was very young, and um, there was not really a whole lot. We've tried to look into it before, but not, uh, not a whole lot of um, knowledge about it. Mm -hmm. But it's always obviously something you've been aware of, like, throughout your life? Yeah, and, and you know, I, I had a chance to travel down to... Um, cabin when I was younger and I got to train there for a bit and I got a lot of friends there and stuff so I feel like I have a lot of connections over there that I'm you know friends with and stuff now but I wouldn't know where my family and all that would come about family I mean you mentioned Calvin more about some Calvin who did you train with I trained with Brian McEwen cabin boxing club all right and how come you picked Calvin like I'd fought um I'd fought John Joe Nevin as a as an amateur and I I really shouldn't have been in the ring with him. I only had maybe, you know, 20 amateur fights. And, um, but they, my coach had asked me if I wanted to go on a boxing trip. And uh, he's like, ah, there's just one issue. You know, you got to fight this kid. He's just coming off the Olympics. And I just kind of like, ah, fuck it, man, let's go. And, you know, uh, I think the coach took a liking to that. And just that I, that I had some balls and, um, you know, no one, I guess, in the area would really fight him at the time. So. Uh, the coach said, come on down to Kevin, you know, we'll make you a champion, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I had uh, 
had a really good time there and the training was way different from home and um, it was a really good experience for me. Brilliant. I better let you go. Thanks very much. Best of luck for Friday night, Josh. Thank Cheers. you, man. Thanks, Andy. You can go to Ryan from Boxing Social, please. Hi, Josh. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, I just was hoping we'd get a little bit more background on yourself for the UK fans since you came over here. I was just hoping yeah. you could tell us a bit about how you actually got into the box, boxing in the first place. What first took you down to that gym? Uh, to a boxing gym? Well, I was, uh, was a bit of a scrappy kid anyways. I was getting in fights a lot as a little kid and um, I was always pretty good at sports. And... Uh, you know, but I just found as I was getting older, I was one of these little, uh, one of these little dweebs and I, you know, basketball was my sport, uh, basketball and hockey, but I was a really small kid. So it was hard to compete with some of the guys who were a lot bigger. I wanted to do a sport that was, um, you know, weight based or size based and went into the boxing gym. There were a few kids from my hockey team that were boxers and they were doing well. And I went and I trained with their dad. And then next thing you know, I, I just stuck with it. You mentioned that you tried other sports how quickly did boxing go from becoming a hobby and something you were trying out with your other friends around to this could be a career choice for yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, it was weird. I remember my first boxing match, I was actually just fighting a kid from school who's one of my buddies. We set up a little tournament in his backyard and I was the smallest kid there and I'd won the tournament. And I was just thinking in my head, like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. All right. So, uh, you know, um, I remember my first time in the gym, like I already had ambitions as a young kid to turn pro, I think before I even that's what you see on TV, right? It was never to go to the Olympics or anything. It was always the term pro. Um, yeah, that's, that's it, really. I believe this is your first time fighting outside of Canada as a professional. I was just wondering if you could tell us a bit how you find the whole bubble experience being over in the UK as well. Um, I, I kind of like it, to be honest. I think it's a lot easier. The, uh, the food here is amazing. Um, they're taking really good care of us. And um, no, I just find... For back home, there's a lot of stuff in terms of selling tickets and running around with your head cut off to, to push tickets and whatnot. So it's a little bit less stressful. Um, you know, you can just kind of focus on the fight, do your training and focus on making weight and that's it. How big an incentive is it for you that this is a WBA eliminator and what has the reception been like back home as well when this fight got announced? Back home, it's been huge. You know, um, there's not many big fights going on in general. Right? There's no fights going on back home in general. So um, to get to get this fight, and it's uh, you know obviously the biggest opportunity I've had in my career. It's uh, it's been massive, and I've I've got so much. Uh, you know where I'm from is not a a big boxing scene, so you know I'm I'm really surprised by the amount of um, how much support and stuff I've been getting from people. All right, Josh, I'll pass you on to the other guys. Thank you for your time and good luck. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks, Ryan. Um, if anyone else has any questions for Josh, just drop me a message or raise the, the hand icon. I've seen the boxing source has a question there, so if you want to pass over. All right. Um, given that you were talking about the past fights that um, you know Tennyson has had, have you been able to check out the Tevin Farmer fight and kind of like see something in that that you know you would want to take notes on? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've I've watched the Tevin Farmer fight, and you know, obviously, me and Tevin Farmer are quite different. He's he's quite short, southpaw, very different styles. Um, Tevin Farmer would be a nightmare to fight, uh, style-wise. You know what I mean? So I think that was a really bad matchup just for James in general, where it's a different fight entirely. But there's things you see, and um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot I can take away from all of his fights, and uh, you know, it's just always different. The guy in front of you, so it, it'll be. 
know, there's a lot of things I see from the outside that could look different when you're in there. And there's a lot of things he sees from the outside that might look different to him when he's in there. So it's just kind of see how it plays out when we're in there. Now, given that you were, you know, fighting around the 140-pound division, how comfortable do you feel right now coming into this particular fight? The other, the other part about that is that in, in Ontario, we have same-day weigh-ins. Um, so, so if I'm fighting for, for a title, I'd get to weigh in the day before, but I'd still have a same-day weigh-in. So, um, you know, a lot of the times I was fighting heavier because we don't have a day before. I feel quite comfortable. It's probably the best, easiest I've made weight in a really long time. Um, and I like the fact that I'm not going to have that same day weigh in. So I'll just be able to, you know, fully hydrate at night, good meals all day. Um, you know, it'll be nice. I recently retired from boxing with a record of 25 fights, 18 wins, 15 by knockout, five defeats and two draws. To many, he is the white rhino, but he prefers another name. It is the Doncaster De La Hoya, David Allen. Say before Smithy, I'm so sorry. I've well, just got to get on his get up first. Talk to me. Really? He's gone. He's gone smart up atop. Sports shorts with a pair of plimsolls on <laughs> for the Astro out the back. I love it. Talk smart to me about this. Smart casual. He said smart casual. So I put the shirt on. Smart casual. Yeah. Put the shorts on and uh, you know I was hoping to score a few goals outside. I love I, it. Brilliant. I scored goals and I hit crossbars. You know I just want everyone to know that I'm a, I'm a goal scorer. <laughs> David, for what it's worth, I love your outfit. Settle in and let's have a look at you in action, mate. Yeah. You big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing We will, we will rock you We will, we will Five fights and at only 28 years of age. Last week you announced your retirement. I think some people were a bit surprised at that. So just give us the reasons behind that decision. Um, well, I've been boxing for 12 years now, professional for eight. Uh, but I wasn't the most professional man in the world, you know. And uh, it's, it's kind of caught up with me a little bit, you know. I've took probably too many knocks, more knocks than a 28-year-old normally would. Mm. So uh, I wanted, to, I wanted to get out of boxing. I, I, I. Um, I did well out of boxing, and I wanted yeah. to retire from boxing. I didn't want boxing to eventually retire me, so I just thought I'd call it a day, get out there a little bit early, probably, but uh, I'm safe, I'm healthy, and I'm happy. And fair said, play, Tim. Yeah, yeah, And you said that you wasn't as professional as you thought you should be. Go on, yeah. explain to me that. What, is your, what did your days consist of, then? Well, we discussed these things earlier, and uh, not, nothing, nothing great, nothing I can mention right now, either. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, um, I was a nuisance all my life. You know, I started boxing at 16, and... Uh, I wouldn't diet, I wouldn't yeah. train, and they're the two things you need to be a, a good professional. I was say they're quite important, aren't they? Yeah, yeah so uh, I, I li I've lived the normal life of a normal bloke in his, in his late teens and 20s, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was very fortunate. I still, I still did well somehow. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how either.
Wow. <laughs> so talking about, you said you did well. Highlight, if you had to pick a, a standout moment from your boxing career, what would it be? Well, for me, you know, I, I won some, I won some big fights, had some big nights at Lanio Arena, which was great. But uh, you know, the, the last quarter of my career, whatever arena I went to, they would sing. There's only one David Allen. You know, on the way to Amazing. the ring after the fights, and uh, I wasn't the best fighter in the world. But uh, I always said the people made me what 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 I am now. And um, when they used to sing my name and stuff, I couldn't believe it. I only got into boxing because I wanted my old man to like me. You know, I just wanted him That's to like the me. That's the reason, yeah. yeah He's yeah. a big so boxing fan, I right? He was a professional boxer as well. So I want my dad to like me, and I thought a few people might people might like me. Eventually, the whole the whole country ends up liking me, and my old yeah. man probably still don't, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't know what right. a buzz that was though for you, eh? To, oh. to go out to like crowd singing your name. You know? I used to like you'd prepare to go to the ring, and as soon as the fans had like started to see me walk to the ring, they'd start singing the only one David Allen, and I'd just be a bit emotional. <laughs> like yeah. I said, I only got into boxing really because a I didn't really want to do nine to five, and b I wanted my old man. I just wanted people to like me. Really, that was yeah. it. And of course, you became a bit of a cult here, not just for what you did in the ring, but for what you did outside the ring. You, you've spoken very honestly. I've seen some interviews with you. Where you speak so in honestly and openly about your struggles, your mental health struggles, yeah. uh, your, your gambling addictions. If you don't want me asking, I know it's a very a, a, a deep and an honest yep. conversation we're having. But how bad did things get, and how did you turn that around for people that might be suffering from something similar? Well, as a, as a young man, I think people would have called me uh, eccentric. I'm very eccentric, right. you know, I'm a little bit different. I like to do different things. Uh, but uh, as I got older, um, I started to... I, started, I was a terrible gambler, to be honest. I was horrific with it. I saw Mike Catamall earlier on the Sky Sports Race. Yeah. I was starstruck. You'd only come and say it, but I was starstruck with him. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, loved, I loved the horses, so... Um, yeah. I was, I, I was, I've been gambling since I was eight years old. You know, my mum and dad had taken me a bet, like, and it was just it was just one of them things. I loved the horse racing. I'd write my little bets out on my thing, and, and as I got older, I got a bit more money. I'd bet more, and eventually I bet everything that I had. The day I bought Stillian White, I knew a certain, but the certain amount of money I would come out of the fight with, I gambled that whole purse on the day. So when I'm walking the ring for Stillian White, I know I'm doing it for free, effectively. Wow. And, uh, and I ended up boxing number one heavyweight in the world, Luis Ortiz, who was ranked number one with, the, with a few governing bodies. And I boxed him for peanuts because I needed the money from the, from the gambling, you know? Mm. Yeah. And at one point, I, I did try to take my own life at one point, 2015. And um, wow. it, it was that bad, you know? And I, the gambling was a, was a major part of it, but I'm very fortunate. Um, my, my sister, she'll be watching, Danielle, hello. Yeah. Hi, Danielle, how are you, lads? Hello to my other sister as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and she had to take... She takes all my money, still looks after me now. You know, that's part of the reason I'm dressed like this. You don't let me spend any money. <laughs> well, it's good to see you back. Nice see, and great to see him looking well, and well done for speaking honestly about it. So, I've got a question here for you. Alongside your fighting, you've also sparred with some of the best. Yep. Klitschko, Joshua, oh. uh, Fury, Yushik. What happened with... Tell me the um, story about Klitschko. Well, when they rung up, they rung my manager and said, uh, can David come to spar Klitschko? He's, he's fighting... Uh, Klitschko's fighting Kubrat Pulev. So they're looking, Kubrat Pula, 6'5", 6'6", big fella, stand-up style. And my manager went, they want you, but you're not big enough. And I went, I am big enough. And they went, you're 6'2", 6'3". I went, I'm 6'5", if they ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, I said tell are. them I'm 6'5". Yeah. Anyway, the week after I'm on the plane, I turned up, they went, you, you're not what we expected. I went, yeah, well, you know. And I'm here anyway. now, yeah. So, did you just get in with him? So I, I did, I sparred with him, I, I, I think I stayed for five days. 
And I went, and uh, I was two or three seven over eight, so I turned up and uh, <laughs> well, just training in between, in between the spars, training, yeah. and get yourself a bit sharp, trying to get a bit of weight off. The food was incredible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must have put on half a stone in four or five days. <laughs> so every, every time his, his coach and stuff going past, I'm eating. And they're like, what are you doing? I said, don't worry about it. So I sparred, sparred well, but the yeah. Kubrat Pulev, he's got a style like this. Yeah. I just ran around the ring, I ran away from him. I thought, yeah. <laughs> no way he's me. I'm on, I'm on holiday in Austria eating. Oh, it was unbelievable. So yeah. I thought, no way. Klitschko was ruining my holiday, hitting me. So I ran in the events and they went, David. Klitschko came up to me, stroked my head and went, you know what, son? You, you, he didn't say, you know what, son, because he's, he's not English, is he? And he went, <laughs> <laughs> what did he say, then? What did he say? He went, David. And I went, yeah. And he went, you've had a great time, but we're, we're going to send you home because you're not really what we expected. And I went, you know what, it don't even matter. So I went home, never had a mark on me, great food, paid me the lot. So oh, I love that. <laughs> I've got to say, Jim, what's the story that is? Uh, and I'm sure, I think I'll speak for everyone in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it is whatever you do story. next, you'll absolutely smash it. Everyone is uh, the white rhino. David Allen! David Allen! Hello and welcome to the Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. review show with me, Joe Lee. This is Seconds Out. Probably didn't even need to mention it, being as we've got three screens over there. I think this is the first video I've done for Seconds Out in the studio. So it's nice to be here and what better time to be here than reviewing this fantastic event that happened last night between Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. And it was an event more than a, a, a spectacle, more than a boxing fight, I think it's fair to say. Um, and I'm gonna be covering three topics, which is, were judges needed? Is this Legends Only League gonna be happening more often? And what my thoughts are on that? And Jake Paul's spectacular knockout. Um, I'll start with the judges because, <laughs> let's be honest, going into the fight, looking at the fight, you were thinking uh, the knockout situation was unclear. No one really knew whether there were going to be knockouts, whether there were allowed to be knockouts, if there were cuts that the fight were going to be stopped. So it was a lot of um, a lot of cloudy sort of questions over the fight. I think it lived up to expectations considering going into the fight. This has never happened before. And, and the way Mike Tyson was talking after the fight as well, it looks like he wants to be doing this a lot more. What we need to expect is to not expect a lot, if that makes sense. Don't expect knockouts, just expect guys with a lot of nostalgia, a lot of history in the sport, legends as it's called, to be just, just to be fighting for the enjoyment of loving boxing. And I don't think it's going to be one where we see knockouts very often if this is to carry on. But um, I, I, in my opinion, if it is to carry on, why do they need to be judges? It was a draw last night um, and it was probably fair enough. It was probably fair enough to score that a draw. I think Roy Jones tired earlier than most of us would have expected. Um, being, you know, looking what Mike Tyson gets up to. He's got a marijuana company, business, he smokes a lot. Um, and you don't expect him to go two, eight, uh, eight two-minute rounds it, the way he did. Uh, so fair play to him for that. But the the actual end of the fight, I just don't know how... I don't know how... We didn't see the judges. Why weren't they at the fight? Why weren't they, they ringside scoring it properly? Because sometimes you, you you see it different when you're on TV to when you're actually there in real life. So I feel like if they, they needed to see something properly, it's always best to be there. Um, but going on to will this happen more often and who could that be involved in? I've already seen Lennox Lewis say there's a possibility. He didn't turn down the option of um, seeing this happen again. Roy Jones said possibly and it looks pretty obvious Mike Tyson wants to do this again. 
um, which is, like I say, it's, it's good for the sport of boxing, but for me personally, I don't think I'm going to be paying to see it again. Uh, let's put it that way. I, I paid, you know, I was with some friends last night. Uh, we paid to watch it for, for the curiosity more than anything, I think it's fair to say. Um, but going forward, I think it's best to be free because it's more of a... a, a a fun thing to see on Saturday night. It's not a serious thing, and I saw um, a lot of people commenting the same thing. We need to separate the the heavyweights of of the modern era. I'm talking the AJ's, the the Deontay Wilders, the Tyson Furies. Separate these from the Mike Tyson's because it's completely. It's almost a different. It's almost a, a different sport because of the way. This is this is being perceived, um, and I want it to stay that way. To be honest, so um, going forward, I think it's great if we see it. Yeah, maybe every six months uh, with with some old guys, but I don't want them coming anywhere near the guys who have retired in the last five years um, or anyone who's fighting now. I want them to stay in sort of their own lane um, because that's that's the way it should be. Um, you know, you, we all like seeing these guys fight. Um, and Snoop Dogg definitely did as well. Uh, the commentary on the American feed was just so funny. I saw um, him saying, this is like my uncle's at a barbecue fighting and everything. Like, like Just watching him perform beforehand, it's it's not hurting anyone. Like Mike Tyson said, he, he's doing it to make people happy. Money goes to charity. So, so many positives of this event happening. Um, so, yeah, I really don't see why Legends Only League can't become uh, a more... A common thing um, for for retired boxers. Um, I'd love to see some fighters return to the ring. Um, I, I don't want to see anyone get napped out. That's the only thing that will worry people. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I think cuts um, mean the fight has stopped probably in most of the fights going forward if it does uh, happen again. So yeah, it's probably going to happen very safely anyway. So why not? It's not harming anyone. Um, but I'm going to move on to the co-main event, the last topic of this video. Jake Paul uh, absolutely smoking Nate Robinson in a pretty impressive display from him. It's pretty easy to say Nate Robinson's never had a fight. Uh, he was an NBA player, all, the, all of this. But you've also got to look at every single YouTube boxing fight. This was the best knockout by a mile. So it just proves to me how much Jake Paul's putting into this. But I had Jake Paul round one um, because I, if you look at his social media and I'm, I'm sure people will have seen how how hard he's training, the de dedication he's putting into his training beforehand um, has just been second to none. So I knew he, he trained really hard and you saw with the knockout, it was pretty clean. He knocked him down three times um, and the last one was completely ruthless. Throughout all of YouTube boxing, we haven't seen anything like that and I think Jake Paul's hunger has uh, really shown last night so fair play to him and a lot of people don't like him because he's very cocky he's very confident um but he's he's gonna i think he's gonna go on to do some good things i want to see him fight ksi obviously next that's what everyone wants to see will he turn pro professional when i say that i mean will he actually end up fighting people that people don't know uh professional fighters that don't have a, a name and they aren't celebrities who knows? I think everyone wants to see the KSI fight. But the way Jake's fighting at the moment, the amount he's training, he's obviously gets on with Ryan Garcia. He looks like he gen genuinely loves boxing. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But um, yeah, thanks for watching the video. Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. review with me, Joe Lee. Thanks for watching. See you soon.
up yourself. Um, I suppose this fight was only announced really like a week or so ago, but you've clearly been in training for quite some time from the from the British title fight. So how's it been moving into this camp from the last one? Um, do you know what? It hasn't been too bad, see, to be honest. After the last fight, I think for the first time in a long time, I had a bit of a break, enjoyed myself, a few nights out. and you know, By the time I came to training, you know, I was ready to get back in the camp. I was looking forward to getting back in the training and the swing of things. And Mark said that there's a good chance you're going to be out before Christmas, so more or less just get the head down and start putting the work in. So that's what we did. Absolutely. Um, obviously, British title win the last time. You're never going to be hanging around British level. I mean, your ambitions are much greater than that. So this is a big step forward. Absolutely, you know, big step forward for me, the world title eliminator, you know, um, it's a fight that can open up some big doors and big opportunities for me next year, so, you know, I'm really excited for this one. Absolutely, I saw the um, press release come out last week and it was a bit of a different side to you, a bit that you were kind of saying that you were fed up hearing about Americans talking and this, that, the other, and it's maybe your time that you're, you're kind of maybe calling people out a bit, which is something we've never really seen before. Do you know what, I will send, I'm sick of hearing names, is a strong statement, but, you know, I know that I can mix it with them guys. You know, I just want my opportunity to, 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 to be in there with the top lightweights and show what I can do. And, you know, sometimes being outspoken, you know, it's not really me, but sometimes you just have to give a few comments here and there to, mm-hmm. just to get the point across. You know, I, I know finally once my opportunity comes, you know, I'll be able to mix it with them guys, you know, very confident. So, yeah, I just sort of had to, had to just put the comment out there a bit just to, to get the word across. Absolutely. What kind of performance are you expecting on, on Friday night in any case? Like, you know much about Josh or have you watched much from the past? I haven't, I haven't watched too much of him, no. Um, you know, Tony and Mark, they've done their homework on him. Um, Tony's happy with how training went and how sparring went from what he's seen with us after watching um, watching Josh O'Reilly's um, previous fight. So, we're looking forward to it. You know, we're very confident of getting the win here on, on Friday. Brown stuff, James. Let the other lads jump in here. Thanks a million. All the best. Cheers, bro. Thank you, man. No problem. Thanks, David. Um, Nicky, did you want to jump in with any questions? Hi, James. Nicky Fuller, and how are you, mate? Nicky, how's it going, man? Good, mate. Good, mate. I wish it was the same way as yourself, but sadly not. Right? <laughs> here, just uh, you fought against Tevin Farmer in Boston. I was there, and you didn't work out that night, but you want to get back to that level again, won't you? Absolutely. You know, find at that, that level in the sport, you know, that's where I want to be. That's what me and Swartz have been pushing for. You know, I'm working very hard to, to put myself in that position again. And what do you know about the guy you're facing on Friday night? Um, Josh he's, he's, um, I think he's 16 and 0. He's, um, he holds two titles, the IBF and the Continental, and the NABA. It's, it's a form of a WBA title, I think. So, um, you know, he's very confident. Um, he's, he's, he's clearly here to win. You know, it's this big opportunity. So. You know, it's, it's not a, a fight they can take lightly, especially, you know, with the rewards that are at the end of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready. You said the rewards there. You've got the wee sub now, obviously. You must have been highly motivated for Friday night. Absolutely. Like, you know, at the minute, you know, very highly motivated. You know, I haven't, I haven't stopped thinking about a word header. You know, that's what's always been on my mind. You know, it's all I've been thinking about this camp. So, very motivated. You know, I've been putting the work in and, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Just finally, lightweight seems to suit you. Absolutely, you know I'm doing lightweight, no problem. You know I'm feeling fit, strong, healthy at the weight. You know, um, you know it makes a big difference, making a hack of a, a hack of a lot of big uh, hack of a big difference from from previous when I was down on weight. So it's making a big difference, and you know it's going good so far. Yeah, good luck on Friday night, mate. Thank you very much, Nicky. Thanks, Nicky. Uh, Andy Waters, any questions, mate?
think he might be frozen by the looks of that. Um, if we pass over to Thomas Kane next then, please. Hi, James. James, sorry, do you mind just flicking your phone uh, lengthwise rather than, if possible? How's that? I just, I'm almost there. It's just great. There you go. It's just so it's long way. Just so, it's just for our recording. Sorry to be a pain. Uh, how's that? Yeah, perfect. Uh, look, I won't keep you long. James, um, a lot of people have found lockdown frustrating. Um, maybe th their careers have stalled. Why do you think it's clicked for you and you've taken all, all of the opportunities available to you? Um, do you know what? I think the, the, the team that I have behind me, you know, they've been putting in a man's work to, to keep me out, keep me busy through, you know, through all these lockdowns and stuff. So for me, my lockdowns have been, they've been a heck of a lot better than other people's. You know, I've been fighting, I've been training, you know, it's kept me busy. Um, you know, my career's still on the rise, even though the majority of people's careers are volcano standstill. So, very happy with how things are going with, with what's going on. How big a confidence boost was it for you when you heard this was going to be a world title out of there? Oh, big. You know, it was massive. You know, it's, it's the stage of boxing, you know, I've been, I've been wanting to get back at. And I've been working myself hard to get myself in the position to be to be fighting here again. And, you know, my team, they've done a great job of getting me this opportunity again. Mark Dunlop has been, has been talking about you for a number of years, about the qualities you have. Eddie Hearn's one of the biggest names in boxing. He, he's now saying that you're one of the biggest punchers in boxing. How does that make you feel whenever you're going into a ring, knowing that somebody who can make a lot of things happen in the sport is talking about you in that way? Great, you know, it's you know it's got confidence through the roof. You know, a guy with like you look at the the fleet of fighters that Eddie Hearn's got, world champions. You know, and when he speaks that highly of me, um, you know, it just it just shows him doing something right and things are going good. What do you know about this opponent? Um, he's undefeated. He's very confident from, from what I'm hearing. Um, he, he holds two titles. He's ranked above me in the WWE rankings. So, you know, it's a fight that I can't take lightly. You know, the opportunities that lie ahead for me after this win are, are huge. So, you know, it's a must win. You know, I have to go in and get the job done on Friday night. Do you have to get that mix right between wanting to get the job done but also put on a show and keep up this reputation of yours? Um, for me, you know, it's just about it's just about winning. You know, I'll do what I have to do to win, whether I'm looking good or whether it doesn't look good. You know, just winning is what what's important to me at the minute. The next step for you could be a, a huge one in in a, in a division which has so many big names in it. How much are you excited about about the prospect of that in 2021 and a huge world title shot against a massive name? Very very excited. You know. That's what I'm in the sport for. You know, this is the level that I want to be fighting at. You know, I'm working towards bringing big fights back to Belfast. You know, Belfast has been deprived of, of big nights of boxing for a while now. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting in the, on Friday, getting the win. And, you know, it could set me up for, for some huge nights in the future. How much do you want to headline in your home city? Oh, massive. You know, it's, it's a dream come true. You know, it's with every fighter in Belfast. You know, they want to be tapping the bills in your home city. And, you know, for me, it's a big, big goal of mine, you know, and, it's one that I'm, I'm getting closer to, you know, I'm a good few steps ahead now with, with making it happen. And just finally for me, the weight moving up, how, how beneficial has it been, not just physically, but also mentally in, in fight week, knowing that you can go in there so much stronger? It's beneficial to me, you know, in every way, shape or form. Um, you know, I've never felt this great. Doing the weight is easy, you know, whenever you're cutting them last pounds, you know, it's like a cloud over your head, so you know I'm, I'm getting the I'm getting the fight week, you know, with a clear head, you know, still fit, healthy, you know, 
still able to put a good shift in in the gym years before, you know, I'd be sort of, you know, I wouldn't have had enough in the tank. Brilliant here. Thanks very much, James. Appreciate it. Good luck on, Thank on you. Uh, Friday. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Thomas. Should we go to Andy Waters? I think you've got your hand raised. James, how's things? Andy, how's it going? Is my camera all right here? Or do you need me to switch it around? No, you're looking good. You're looking yeah. good. Um, James, um, uh, Thomas just, just touched on it there. Um, obviously, this is an eliminator. You know, so, you I mean, you're, you're talking Gibraltar Davis, Lopez, the guys that are right at the top of the tree in the WBA. I mean, looking ahead, I mean, how, how much are you looking forward to those, to those fights, getting a chance to, to get in with those boys? You know, they're the sort of fights, you know, thinking about them fights, it gets me excited. You know, I do honestly believe that, you know, I've got what it takes to mix it away. And guys, I just need my opportunity to be able to show it. Um, and with a win here on Friday night, you know, it's going to be, it's going to bring me a good few steps closer to, to being able to, to being able to get in and mix it with any kind of guys. And um, you, you mentioned about um, headlining in Belfast. Obviously, you have headlines, you know, at the Europa, or, you know, smaller yeah. holes shows. I mean, that's one thing that's missing from your career up to this point, isn't it? Like that, that massive bill in the SSE or something. I mean, getting one of those guys over, you know, on a fight night like that would be like the crown and glory in some ways, isn't it? Up to, up to now. Absolutely, you know, it would be amazing. You know, I've fought on the other card of Ram Burnett's World Title Show, uh, or World Title Fight, sorry, and, you know, whenever I was coming out, you know, the stadium wasn't fully filled, but there was a good crowd in, and the noise was unbelievable. It blew my mind, and I just said that night, you know, I want to be filling this place out soon, you know, I want to bring a World Title back here, and, you know, that's what I'm working towards doing. But um, we're just counting up your belts earlier on. Nine, is it so far? You've won? I think there's... From BUA up to from uh, from the Celtic title right through, I think you could be right. Yeah, I think there's nine. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'd swap them all for that world title belt, would you? Give me that world title fight any day. Mm. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, here, listen. Hope you get it. Best of luck for Friday night. Thank you. Cheers, bud. Thanks, Andy. You go to Ron Lewis from Boxing Scene next. Um. Yep. Yeah, hi. Hi, James. Um. Uh, a few years ago, when you when you um, you know came up to London and fought Ryan Walsh, people were willing to sort of write you off after that. What did you learn from that, and what have you also learned from the the farmer fight that's that's turned you into a better fighter, sort of progressively? Um, you know, listen, two of them fighters, both Ryan and um, Tavon Farmer, two real quality fighters. You know, um, can't take nothing away from from them and getting the win. For me, you know, at the time I was having weight problems and stuff, which affected me. If the Ryan Walsh fight, you know, it was Pretty, you could say I was young as well. It was a few years ago. Um, a heck of a lot more experience, and you know, I've, I've um, I've been in with the fighters I've been in with now. You know, they've helped me gain vital experience in the sport, and you know, I've, I'm improving all the time. Excellent. Thanks, James. Take care, mate. Cheers, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Here we pass to James Lupton from. Pro boxing fans, next please. Right, James, how you doing? How's it going, man? All very good, thank you. Um, obviously, taking on Josh O'Reilly, a unknown quantity, sixteen and He's never fought outside of Canada. A lot of people look at his box rate and say this is an easy fight for yourself here. But yeah. how much of a risk is this that you're taking? How much of a what is it, sorry? How much of a risk are you taking by not knowing what he can bring to the table? Um, I wouldn't look at it as a risk, you know. For me. 
it's a big opportunity for me. You know, um, the rewards that it's the DMBS fight. You know, I'm looking at it as it's a big opportunity for me. Um, I'm not taking him as a, as an easy or late opponent. You know, he's undefeated. You know, he seems very confident. So, with the rewards, it's it's a DMBS for me. You know, it's, it'd be foolish to take it as a take this fight lately. You know, I'm, I've prepared myself very hard and. You know, just looking forward to getting in there and um, getting the show on the road. You know, we're very confident, me and my team. And just the last one from me. The recurring theme throughout this interview has been a world title shot. You want your world title. Obviously, the Tevin Farmer fight, you came short for a world title. Does that loss play on your mind at all? No, not at all. No, you know, like I say, I had, I had problems doing the weight and stuff at the time. So, you know, if, if I put that loss behind me, you know, I'm, I'm looking to the future. I'm looking to to rebuild, rebuild myself, you know, in world title fight, in, in world boxing, sorry. You know, I'm looking to put myself back up on the world stage and in the match for world titles. So, I've put that fight behind me and, you know, I'm just looking forward to the future now. You say you had issues with the weight there. Obviously, you've moved up since then. But was it a wake-up call? Did that give you a bit of a reality check in terms of making weight for the future fights? Absolutely. You know, my trainer, Tony, actually said in a previous interview, but he he actually asked me to move up and wait before the fight. But at the time, you know, I felt I could have done it okay. The previous fight had done okay and it came through okay. But, you know, it was just one fight too many to wait. So, you know, I think I'll listen to my trainer in the future when it comes to doing weight. Absolutely. Good luck. Thanks, mate. Thank you, man. seconds out delighted to be joined by joe joyce fresh off an epic win of a very impressive win over previously unbeaten daniel dubois on saturday night on bt joe how you doing yeah i'm, I'm doing well i'm still a little bit bumped and bruised but i'm in good spirits I, I got the win i proved all those doubters wrong and hey i'm coming for a world title very soon it was an excellent performance, one of the best I've seen in a British ring this year. Completely outboxed him, took centre ring from the start and, and just forced him to fight at your pace and the type of fight you wanted. Was that all part of the plan? A lot of time and effort go into creating that game plan? Yeah, definitely. And I think there's levels to it. And my experience definitely had a was like one of the key factors. Also, the tactics going in there. Tactics were great, and my the training that built up to that fight. <laughs> I mean, I did quite a few training camps uh, to prepare for it, and like with all the, with the postponements and stuff like that, it's great. I'm glad it actually is. It's happened. It's over, and I've won. You got on the front foot from the start. He didn't look comfortable fighting on the back foot, and after a kind of big burst in the third round, he seemed to gradually weaken from then on. Could you feel in there, either physically or mentally, that he was starting to kind of fade from round four or five? Yeah, I definitely noticed quite early on. He's quite he's heavy breathing. He's breathing pretty heavily to like keep up with a with a with a pace. And he threw a, a massive salvo at me on the, in the third round, which I, I I think I blocked some, slipped some, and took uh, quite a few big shots in there. And after that, I. He'd kind of, he, he kind of, I, I think he kind of like 
it put it exerted a lot of energy doing that and then I, the the jab was still landing that I was throwing and that was working so I I kept that up and kept breaking him down staying staying away from his power shots in the later rounds and and then see by round nine I thought I I raised my hand and I I thought yeah I've got him and then round ten he just he took one last hard jab and and that was it and he went and he put put his knee down. Give us an insight into how it feels, and you haven't experienced this much, certainly, as a professional, but how it feels when you're unloading on someone, you've knocked everyone out previously, and there's someone who just won't budge, because that's how he must have felt with you. Yeah, I, I guess I had that, that fight. I thought I'd, I was going to knock out um, Brian Jennings, but he's a you know very good boxer, high-level world, uh, world title challenger, so... I've had that experience of having them kind of fights and you just have to like end up winning with like your boxing skill. And uh, that's, that's what I did. How hard does Dubois hit? Because you've been in there with him, you rode the shots, you slipped, you blocked, great defensive performance. But you, like you said, you did take some. How hard does he hit compared to other people you've been in with? Yeah, no, he hits hard. He's, he's a strong guy and... Um, I'd say yeah, he hits. He hits very hard. Like, I think it compares to like maybe Bermain Stavern or or um, Ian Lewison, that kind of power. I wasn't aware Bermain Stavern landed a shot on you. <laughs> You've given it away now. No, he did land a, fl- a flushed right ha- uh, right hand over the top. I think. Uh, oh, right. Hit me full force. <laughs> yeah. Well, well done for taking it in that case. Yeah. Um, when it but that's not, obviously not something I want to rely on. I, I, I was using my head. I was quite um, impre- well impressed with my work that from slipping his shots and and following the tactics to you know use my footwork and stay off off uh, out of range of his power shots. Yeah, and you use your footwork very intelligently to keep him on the back foot as well, which he wasn't at all accustomed to and, and clearly didn't like. Um, hold the centre of the ring and I thought it'd be I, I don't know I thought it'd have been harder because I thought it'd be walking me down and cutting the ring off and I don't know I thought you know I I, I thought it'd have been a lot harder to yeah, be the, honest but the jab was pivotal because it, he couldn't walk you down because every time he stepped into range he got popped with at least one jab if not two <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know that. You were there. You were the one popping it. So, um, Let's talk about how the fight ended because that's... Before we talk about it in detail, just the fact that a lot of people seem to be concentrating on how the fight ended, does that take away a little bit from your, your satisfaction with the win? Because they should be talking about you and how good a performance it was, right? Yeah, it seems a bit like, oh, it's because of what Daniel done. Or what, well, what about me? I was the one who actually won the fight and proved all the doubters wrong and came like stop stop sit stop this guy like there's supposed to be the dynamite Daniel Dubois and he got um in the end he, he quit yeah and I'll, I'll keep the bit about that brief because I don't want to take away from your achievement massively but he did go down on one knee after taking that jab kind of grimaced dabbed at his eye went down on one knee. And when that happened, did you expect him to, to get back up? 
No, no, I think he's had enough. And I, I, th- I felt at that time the fight was only going one way. I thought I was well ahead. I thought I was comfortable winning every round with a jab. And it, there's nothing really could trouble me because he was, I think he threw his best shots and I'd taken them. And what more is, I was, I was outboxing him with a jab. Like what more was it, what was going to happen with a fight? I would have, it would have got more and more busted up and then it would have ended the same way anyway. So it sounds like you kind of understand the action that he took, but it's drawn a lot of criticism, um, specifically from ex-fighters for the most part. The fact that, you know, the whole going out on your shield mentality. Yeah. It's hard for me to identify with that either way because I'm not a fighter. I haven't had any fight, any boxing matches or anything like that, but what what do you think of the criticism he's currently receiving for making that decision in in the heat of the moment? Yeah, I mean, I I, I see both sides of it. Like, on, like if you want to be smart as well, I guess like he can. He's young; he can live to fight for another day, and he saved his eye that could have been like you know a career ending. It could have been a career ending injury. It could be a career ending injury. So, but yeah, and at the same time. It's um, you know, it's a warrior sport where, you know, you want to be, you want to end the fight, you know, want to be carried off off on your shield and be, you know, have a a noble defeat. So I can see both sides of, of the of the equation. I, I think even he is speaking to his coach in the round previous. I mean, at the end of the round. Before that, that he had had eye trouble, also or his eyes was hurting. But I think he he must have got him to go out there again, and he took one more, and then he was he decided within himself that that's enough. He's had enough. And you went over to him at the end of the fight and and put your arm on his shoulder. What what did you say to him? Um, I said, yeah, just you know, I, I can't really remember, but I, was, <laughs> I think I said like, you know, it's. You know he's still young, and you can come again, and plenty of time to improve. Like, he, so something along them lines. Well, it sounds poignant. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, in the build-up, it seemed like you were a bit of an outsider in your own promotional company. Is something that's been remarked upon before. Yeah, Frank and Warren, afterwards. Yeah, and afterwards, Frank Warren promoted both you guys. Um, now you've won the fight conclusively. You go on your WBO, or you should be WBO number two ranked now. How does that work going forward? And do you feel that the team will now get right behind you? Well, well I'd hope so. We'll have to see how um, how things pan out. But yeah, I'm um, looking to fight for that WBO title, and um, hopefully they can um, bring that onto on the table. Yeah, I mean, if Joshua vacates, and that's still an if Joshua point, vacates, yeah. it'll be it should be you against Usyk. Um, you spoke about fighting him immediately after the um, the Bois victory. How excited are you about renewing acquaintances with Usyk, who of course you fought back in the amateurs? Uh, yeah, it's, it'll be an amazing fight for the world title. It'll be a very tricky one because he is so skillful and. It is quite frustrating to fight a, a southpaw as skilled as he is. But it's uh, it's over 12 rounds and he's going to have to take my punches and my work rate for 12 rounds. So it's 
And it's a fight that I believe I can win for my first heavyweight title. And hopefully the belt gets vacated so I can fight for it. And it's a, an Olympic gold medalist against someone who arguably should have been Olympic gold medalist for a world title. I mean, that, that's pretty prestigious. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a great fight. Because for vacant world title fights, you often find people that aren't necessarily deserving getting in. But I think you against Usyk, no one could dispute that. That's that's a really good fight. Yeah, so I, I think it's, yeah, it's a great fight. And uh, I look forward to it. Hopefully it can be made. And... Um, yeah, I'm just I'll just be uh, just be ticking over till till then. And one th- one more thing I wanted to ask about the Dubai fight because something that people talked about immediately after the fight was the comments he made at the press conference um, towards your mother, and the uh-huh. fact that after appearing to uh, mock her um, issues with her vision, he was then beaten in a certain way also um, with his eye. Do you yeah. see some kind of poetic justice in that or are people just making too much of it? Uh, well, it's definitely karma, isn't it? <laughs> the instant karma. <laughs> well, yeah. And your mum at ringside seemed elated with your victory also. So she, she was yeah, she's, she's obviously very proud. And obviously my dad and all my brothers and my family and my friends, everyone's over the moon with my victory and... You know, a lot of them put little bets on and they're going to have a good Christmas. Great stuff. Joe, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations once again um, for the great victory and um, look forward to seeing you back in the ring soon. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Razaban, if I have TV in association with MTK Global with me on Zoom today, my man OD, Mr. O'Hara Davis. O'Hara, what's going on? What's up, man? How's things? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Just in the cinema room. I had a little film on in my friend's house. Hold on, let me show you guys, actually. Can I turn it around? Of course. You look, of course. Look, it's in the cinema room in my, friend, in my friend's house. So I just had a little film. Just watching something here by myself. But... Always got time for IFL, you know, the best in the business. <laughs> Appreciate that. Firstly, how's your cat? I heard you, uh, she gave birth to oh, Yeah, I've got a cat and it literally just gave birth. So um, I've, been trying to, I've been trying to find a few people that want cats. So if there's anyone watching this and you want a cat, you can jump in my DMs on Instagram. And if there's any kittens left, um, <laughs> you can have one. O'Hara, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I just want to go back um, to the weekend. Uh, big domestic yeah. great fight, uh, Daniel Dubois <laughs> up against Joe Joyce. Um, yeah. I didn't kind of speak to you before the fight, but what was your kind of thoughts before the fight? Who did you have favourite for the fight? Before the fight, I probably had Joyce. I was probably thinking more Joyce because I know that Daniel Dubois looks a lot better on camera. He looks faster, stronger. And Joe Joyce, listen, I won't lie, Joe Joyce looks a bit awkward. He looks a bit robotic and he doesn't look good. 
that's the thing about Joel Dress. He doesn't look good. But when you think about it, you look at what he's done as an amateur, Olympian, and not only did he get there, he got a silver, and I believe he got robbed. He should have got a gold. So I'm like, it don't matter how this guy looks, how robotic he looks and how awkward he might look. If he, could, if he got there, he knows how to use that robotic style he's got to the max. He knows, he knows how to use it perfectly. And that's what he does. That's why Joyce wins, because Joyce, he's got, like, he's got his own boxing style, but it's like he's mastered it. And you know what? I just went by off of what Joe Joyce has done as an amateur. I've seen him sparring AJ. I've seen Daniel DeBar spar AJ. I've seen him more spar. Up, I've seen him more spar each other up in um, up in Sheffield. And Joe Joyce, he can contend with the both of them in sparring. So just from going off that and from what I've seen in his fights and what he's done as an amateur, I probably I probably thought that Joe Joyce would have won the fight. How important is a jab as a fighter? The jab's one of the most. It is the most important punch in boxing. I feel like people don't use their jab enough but I feel like after watching this fight over the weekend a lot of fighters are now going to put that back into their head use the jab work on the jab perfect that jab and the jabs is what won in the fight he was literally throwing that same punch from round one until the end of the fight he was throwing that same punch that same punch that same punch and as and then as the rounds went on it just wore him down and down and down and that's what got him that victory let's jump straight into round 10 um Mm-hmm. It was like it wasn't like it was a full jab, but like it was almost like a faint jab. But obviously, bang on the eye that was kind of bruised and swollen. Mm-hmm. What did you kind of make of Dubois' reaction when he took that knee? When he took the knee, I was shocked. I was shocked. I didn't expect him to take a knee. I, what I thought to myself at, at that time is, I just thought, you know what? It's only two rounds left, and he's up on points on a scorecard. Um, him being the home fighter. And he knew, everyone knew he was up in points on the scorecard. Even if they didn't think he was, he would have been up in points on the scorecard. And I would, I would have thought that he would have just like ran around the ring for two rounds and just get the win. That's what I thought um, at the time. But so that's why I was shocked. Because if it was me, I would have thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm probably up in points. I'm going to just run. For, like, I'm going to just run for two rounds but then again I'm not feeling what he felt so so I can say here if it was me I would but the fact is is that it wasn't me I'm not feeling what he felt my eye wasn't bad like his eye was so we can all say things as fans but we don't know how it is um, until you're until you're in there a lot of people said he gave up a lot of people are saying he he hasn't got the heart of a fighter and a fighter will continue all the way through until they get knocked spark out a lot of people say he quit are people being too harsh on him? Well, how about when I fought Taylor? I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I didn't hear anyone asking anyone are they going too harsh on me? I was getting the most stick from everyone, boxers, ex-boxers, coaches, fans, online promoters. I was getting absolutely slaughtered. And you know what? People didn't really give a toss when it was me. But when there's another person, people are like, ah, oh, he's young. Listen, I was young. I was, I was only, how old was I? 25, 25, 24, 25. So I was roughly around the same age that he's at now. So why did I get so much shit given to me, but everyone wants to give him a break? Um, but anyway, like just me speaking, um, I feel like the public shouldn't get onto him. They shouldn't give him all the onslaught that he's been getting because I've been seeing online 
he has been getting a bit of onslaught. Not as much as I got, but he's getting some onslaught, which I'm not with. I'm not with anyone um, saying bad things about fighters online, um, you know, trolling them, slandering them, because it does affect us mentally. And the thing about me is that I was able to handle it because I've lived a life before boxing. I've been out and about. I've been in the streets. I've lived a road life. And um, I was a lot more mature when I was his age than what he is. But the thing about Daniel Dubois is I don't think he is as independent as I am or as you are. I feel like Daniel Dubois is still younger in his mind. He still needs people around him, people to look after him. And I feel like with the boxing public giving him this onslaught, I don't know how he's going to be able to handle it. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard for him to handle. Not because of the onslaught that he's been getting, but is he able to handle it? And this is a title that it doesn't leave you. People have, listen, people said that I quit three years ago, which I did. I come online and I said, yeah, you know what, I quit. And, but I'm, I'm, I am literally going to get called out for the rest of my boxing career. Everyone that I fight is going to say, you're a quitter. And it's all about how you handle that because it's not something that just happened on that night. It's something that he, that he now has to live with and he has to hear for the rest of his boxing career. And it's all about how do you handle that? How can you handle that? You have to be strong. You have to be mentally strong. And it's not just that. It's about the loss. How do you go from a person that knocked out everyone, cleans out everyone, people treating you like king, people treating you like God, to now, once you get stopped, people are like, when they see you, they ain't showing you that same energy. People would have gone from Daniel Dubois to now. Daniel Dubois has things you good. People are not really going to be asking him for pictures as much out and about on the street people might say oh yeah good fight but they're not going to be asking them for pictures as they would have before the fight and it's all about how you it's all about how you adapt to that change because that change affects everyone it's what I went through I had listen I had guys that loved me but guys that would text me every day out like my best friend so now they ain't texting me no more but after I won the golden contract they all came back but now I know how it is so I'm not letting them I'm not letting them back in. I text them, yeah, I'm good, thanks. That's it. Keep it short and sweet. But it's all about how you handle that change because it puts everyone down. It put me down. I thought Taylor, it put me down. I was like, damn, I thought this guy was my boy. Like, he's actually like my best friend. And now, like, he don't know me like he used to know me. Like, he's mad. Was it mentally tough? Yeah, yeah, it is mentally tough. And I feel like if you're not mentally strong, it can break you. That's why... I see people saying, can Daniel Dubois come back? And people saying he's young, his age, but it's not about age, it's about mental strength. You can be 30 years old and it can break you. You can be 20 years old, it can break you. It's not about age, it's about mental strength. Do you feel though, what, what goes through a fight like that, that his eyes started to get bruised for a good four or five rounds mm. and eventually got to a stage. So he did fight through it for a period of time. Mm. And he got to a stage where he just physically couldn't see. What does a fighter do in that stage? Does he give up? Does he walk away? Does he carry on and get blind for life? Like we see with Anthony Ogogo. Exactly. So I feel like it's a two-way thing because if he didn't quit the fight and he got hit and he got blinded for the rest of his life, the boxing fans would have said he should have got pulled out early. He should have quit. He should have gone down, taken a knee. Or as soon as he knew that I was hurt, he should have gone down. He should have quit. That's what they would have said. But 
when he done that, they say, ah, oh, he's a quitter. He's a quitter. He should have fought on. If you, if he's a real boxer, he would have fought on to the death, to the death. I'm like, come on, you guys are. You don't know what makes you happy. Either way, boxing fans are going to complain. Either way, you can't please them. Boxing fans are going to complain. Whether you think about your health first or not, they're going to find something bad to say. Um, yeah, so they're going to find something bad to say about you. But I feel like why he quit, why he went down on on like on one knee, I feel like he'd done that because he realised that he's got no answers. He knew that his eye was fucked and he came out in one round tried to take Joyce out. Joyce wasn't going anywhere. And I feel like in his mind, he just got to a point where he just said, you know what, I've got no answers. I've got no answers. So I'm going to keep on eating that jab and I can't knock him out. If I eat that jab for another few rounds, um, I might get a standing count, then I might be down on points, I might get beat on points. I feel like he just gave up in his mind. I feel like his eye was fucked, but I don't think it was fucked to the extent. Listen, I've seen people that have got bad eyes and they fought three bad eyes. Mike Tyson, when he fought, uh, who did, was it? Who did he fight again? When he fought, he fought Holyfield, right? When his eye was fucked. He's fought in a few eyes, in a few fights when his eye was fucked, but he still fought on through that pain. So sometimes that pain can be fought through. And I believe that, that in this case, it could have been fought through. But I feel like he gave up because in his mind, he realised, I've got no answers. I've got no plan B. I'm going to lose this fight. And he just gave up in his mind. Obviously, we can't finish without talking about Joe. Great performance by him. He was the underdog. Mm -hmm. uh, the bookies had him. Uh, like The odds were crazy towards the end mm -hmm. of the fight for Joe to win. Um, Joe hasn't been a professional for very long. We know he ha he's had a quite an extensive amateur career. As you said, he was robbed off the gold in the 2016 Olympics. But mm -hmm. the doors are open now for Joe to go and fight potentially Usyk, Chisora, and Dylan mm -hmm. White in the, the not-too-distant future. Yeah, exactly. Um, listen, Joe can get far. Joe just can get far, but age isn't on his side, so he has got to rush. But you know one thing, when you look at Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce, he's, I would call, a one-of-a-kind kind of champion. Because Joe Joyce is a nice guy. Like, when you see him, when you meet him in person, when you hear him talk interviews, he's got no, he's got no, um, he's got no spite in him. Joe Joyce, he's got zero, he's got zero spite. And to be a good boxer, you have to be, like, you have to have a bit of spite in you. But Joe Joyce, he's got zero spite in him. He's just a nice guy. He's like, he's, he's just like a, he's just like a big old teddy bear. He's got no spite. He's always happy, laughing about. He's got nothing bad to say about anyone. I'm like, how does this guy become a champion? That's why I believe that Joe Joyce is the one of a kind. And he can get to the top, I truly believe. But yes, but I feel like he has to rush because time ain't on his side. Just quickly, you're, you're the first champion of the Golden Contract. We've got another final this week. Ryan mm -hmm. Walsh uh, and Jazza Dickens got a prediction? Ugh, I don't know. I haven't, seen any, I haven't seen any of them fight, to be honest. I haven't seen any of them fight, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a go for a draw. <laughs> and how's life? How's burgers? How's milkshakes? How's McDonald's? Oh, listen, I'm still eating. Times. You can see my face. My cheeks getting a little bit bigger. My teeth getting a little bit bigger. So, um, yeah, I'm still out here enjoying life. Okay, cool. O'Hara, thank you for jumping on, my man. I know your, your friend in the background is probably saying, hurry up, let's go. <laughs> Let me give you guys another view of the cinema room. This is, where, this, is, this is what you call goals. This is what I'm going to have one day. One day, one day, soon come. Absolutely. Ahara Davis, IFL TV, thank you very much. Thank you, bro.
Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. I'm Danny Flexen here for the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday at 4.30pm to talk about the boxing action of the weekend just gone. And this week, to no one's surprise, I'm sure I'll be focusing on Daniel Dubois against Joe Joyce. Um, I think my colleague Joe Lee has produced a review of the Mike Tyson-Roy Jones exhibition fight for people that are interested in that. And looking at the um, view, uh, pay-per-view pre-buys, it looks like quite a lot of people are interested in that. It's not really my thing, so I'm going to talk about the Bois Joyce, which I did find really, really interesting. Not the most exciting fight, it certainly wasn't a war, but just so much to kind of unpack from that contest of previously unbeaten heavyweights. Obviously, one of them, the Bois, is no longer unbeaten, as Joe Joyce got a 10th round stoppage. Um... So let's talk about Joyce first of all and what he did well because a lot of the focus post-fight has, has been centred on Dubois and the way in which the fight ended and I will talk about that. But let's start with Joyce as I think it's right as he pulled off what's the biggest win so far in his professional career. And I suppose we shouldn't be too surprised the bookies had Dubois a big favourite but Joyce, it always seems to be a 50-50 fight to people within the trade and ex-boxers and pundits and so on. A lot of people... That I interviewed over the last couple of weeks were picking Joyce as well, so fair play to them. You'll see an interview um, in sometime this week with Lerone Richards, where we both gave our Joyce Dubois predictions, knowing that they wouldn't be, uh, you know, ready published, ready to view until after the fight had happened. So we were quite brave in doing so, and only one of us was right, and let's just say it wasn't me. Um, so well done, Lerone, on that. Um, but yeah, Joyce, his game plan was perfect. A lot was made including by me, prior to the fight about Ishmael Salas not being in the corner after failing his test for COVID-19. He was obviously, or not obviously, but he, we presume, was the one who implemented the game plan, um, instructed Joe in it, but then wasn't there to kind of maintain it and to let him know where he was going wrong on the night. But Steve Broughton was in the corner, um, along with Jimmy Tibbs, obviously wise old head there, and, and the other guys. And Broughton kept him focused, told him what to do. Joe clearly listened to him as well. You know, he, he was focused on every word that Broughton was saying to him in the corner. That came across to me very clearly on BT. And um, carried out the game plan to perfection. Started off on the front foot. Busy, busy jab. You know, lots made in the past of Dubois' jab, how forceful it is, how good it is. But Joyce out jabbed him. And once he took Dubois' jab away, the, the fight was pretty much in the bag, I thought. Um... Also, the thing that I really admired about Joyce was how he put pressure on with his feet. So he wasn't expending loads of energy. He wasn't throwing loads and loads of shots like everyone assumes with Joe Joyce. He's a volume puncher. He pumped that jab out regularly, but he wasn't throwing loads and loads of follow-up shots. He didn't get greedy, but he put a lot of pressure on with his feet. He cut the ring off well, forced Dubois to throw when he wasn't really um, in a position to throw accurately, um, countered well. And also forced Dubois to fight at a pace that not only was he not comfortable with, but that he hadn't really experienced previously over a long distance fight. It was a real step up in class for Dubois. We knew that going in. 
But I think the fact that he hadn't had that challenge before stepping up to someone at Joe Joyce's class really showed on the night. Um, from the moment he was being forced back, which is something we hadn't seen before, he seemed incredibly uncomfortable and dispirited, both in the ring and in the intervals in the corner. So Joyce did those things very, very well. Never got greedy, as I said, and took some big shots as well. You know, Joe Joyce, there's been queries about his chin because of stuff that's happened in his amateur days and WSB, and also being hurt by a body shot by um, Bryant Jennings. But the bar never seemed to, to really hurt Joyce. Caught him with some flush shots as well with that big right hand. But Joyce, uh, he tucked up well. He moved his head sometimes as well. But most importantly, he rode the shots well. Kind of turned his head a fraction just as the shot would, would land to take the sting out of it. That was very impressive. And just little tricks he held when he needed to as well. Not because he was buzzed, but because, you know, to take the steam out of the bar, to... to take away his impetus and his urgency and dispirit him even further. Just those little tricks that you learn over a long amateur career in the WSB as well, Olympic silver medalist. And just, he old manned him a lot of the time. He outworked him, <clears throat> outboxed him and old manned him. And for me, I know um, judges had Dubois, what was it, five points ahead, two points ahead and losing on the third card, something like that. Might not be exactly right, but I think the, the five-point margin, which was originally misreported as eight, drew a lot of criticism and rightly so um, I had Joyce in a comfortable lead before the stoppage in the 10th round um, I thought he was landing the um, more more telling shots and also uh, more shots you know he was certainly busier in the vast majority of rounds I didn't think Dubois was particularly in the fight um, by the time it ended but I, I'm happy to concede my views in the minority I think a lot of people on social media and people I've spoken to had it very close before the end um, I didn't but it doesn't matter. Uh, and then, yeah, the ending, when it came, was a, was a surprise, certainly, to me. So, um, Joyce hit Dubois with a stiff jab right on his injured eye. We haven't actually spoken about the eye yet. So, Dubois' eye, because of... It was his lead eye, his front eye, his left eye, um, because of Joyce's, you know, regular use and, and busy use of the jab, his eye had swollen up gradually from the, the opening bell, really. And then, by this point, it was almost closed, and um, Joyce hit him with a, another stiff jab. I don't know how many that was in total, but a lot. And uh, hit him right on the eye. You can see Dubois kind of step step back and then to the side. Wince, dab his eye with his glove and then take a knee. Now to me, at the time, watching it in real time, it just seemed like he was stunned. He needed to gather himself. He wasn't hurt, but the pain was there in his eye. He couldn't see hardly at all out of it anymore. Vision compromised. And he just needed to kind of get away from that pain temporarily, take the count, and then I assumed he would get back up, you know, and come back into the fight to an extent. And I thought maybe the corner would, you know, seeing what had happened, would maybe pull him out at the end of the 10th round. But then he kind of looked at the um, referee as he was tolling his count, staring him in the eyes, uh, his one eye, obviously, um, for as long as the count was going on. And you just got the impression once it got to six or seven, you could tell he wasn't going to get up. And this led to the biggest debate since the fight. And unfortunately, it's taken away a little bit from um, Joyce's great victory. And we'll talk about what's next for him in a minute. Um, but yeah, Dubois, a lot's been made of it. Did Dubois quit being the, the main focus of the debate? Uh, a lot of ex-fighters have um, slated him for it. 
And then some other ex-fighters have slated fans for slating Dubois for it because they've never been in the ring and maybe don't have the same rights to criticise a fighter for that reason. Um, so first of all, did he quit? And, and quit's not a great word anyway, but did he decide uh, discretion was the better part of valour and, and save himself for another day? The, the main thing I have the problem with that I've seen a lot of takes about this on social media is that Dubois um, stopped because he was fearing for his long-term eyesight and he wanted to live to fight another day. That's just simply not true because those things don't go through your mind in a matter of seconds when you're in the middle of a testing situation. He decided not to go on, that much is certain, but it wasn't because he had this grand plan about what was going to happen in the future and what was wrong with his eye and, and how he was going to come back from it. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, you're in a moment of, of fear and panic and heightened emotions, you're down on the floor, the referee's counting, you've got a very abbreviated time frame in which to make that decision. It's an impulse, it's an instinct. You decide, I'm going to continue, I'm not going to continue. And in that moment, he decided not to continue. I'm not sure I see that as quitting necessarily though. You know, in that moment, he decided perhaps that he wasn't going to win the fight. Is that quitting? Not necessarily. I mean, I don't see there's that much honour in going out on your shield if you know you're definitely going to lose either way. I'm not saying he thought he was going to get up and get absolutely pulverised by Joe Joyce and get carried out. He might have, you know, stumbled his way half blind to a decision defeat. And as it turned out, that would have been a close run thing anyway, although it shouldn't have been. Um, but I think you just decide the pain's too much. And we later found out he had a fractured um, orbital bone and uh, nerve damage to the eye. So serious injury, very, very painful. Um, I think it was just, this is really hurting. The fight's not going my way. I'm not going to win. I'm going to stay down. And I think that's all, that's as much as you can process in those moments. I don't think there's any long-term thinking really involved. Because if there was any long-term thinking involved, then Dubois would have thought about the permutations of what he was doing, the criticism he would receive, the fact that this would stay with him as his most memorable moment of his professional career until he produces a, a more positive moment to um, supplant it. And he might have carried on the fight, you know, but you don't go through all those things. And that's why all these ex-fighters saying, oh, I'd never take a knee, you know, when you're there, you can't, you can't jack it or you can't swallow. You're not thinking about that. You're not thinking about shame or honour or valour. You know, and, and fighters should know this better than anyone. When you get tagged and you go down, it is an instinct. And and if they're saying, well, maybe Dubois just hasn't got that instinct to carry on under adversity, maybe they're right. I don't know. But you can't change that. You can't change who you are. It's not a matter of bravery or fear. It's just you're down, you're in pain. And in a split second, it's not even a decision, really. In a split second, you have that uh, reaction. And then it's either to get up or it's to stay down, depending on how painful it is. And what's going through your mind at the time. And it, it all. You're having to make that decision so quickly. With the eyes of the world on you. And you're already tired as well. You know 10th round of a fight. Where it's not really gone your way. You've taken a lot of shots. It's just so hard to empathise with the wild's position. And even the ex-fighters who are saying. You know fans can't really empathise. Because they've never been in there. And etc etc. Not all adversity is the same. You know you might have got up off the canvas. You might have come back in a fight. You were getting pounded in. But that's not the same as having a broken orbital bone and nerve damage to your eye it's a very specific injury and a very painful injury and unless you've done exactly what Dubois has done I think it's hard to criticize him I think you know Kelbrook Kelbrook wants to come out and, and say something about it you, I'd listen to him because he's had both 
um, orbital bones broken, both eyes, um, against Triple G and then against Errol Spence. He knows what that pain's like. He knows how badly your vision's compromised. Um, and he'll know from the reaction to it how long it took to kind of get over it mentally and emotionally. So maybe his view on it would be worth listening to. But for everyone else out there, unless you've been exactly in that same position, maybe just don't comment. Or maybe comment privately if you've got some words of encouragement for Daniel Dubois, perhaps. Like Matthew Macklin said something in criticism of Dubois, and someone replied to him and said, why not just go off Twitter, speak to him privately and give him some advice? And Macklin's response, which I kind of understood, was you can't advise someone to kind of get up in that situation. You can advise them tactically and technically, but that's a, an, an instinct. It's either in you or it's not, which I understand. But the original point from the person who responded to, to Matt is that you don't need to say these things publicly because it becomes a bit of a pylon in this uh, social media generation, social media era where people just like to jump on a bandwagon, whether it's criticism or positivity. And Dubois 23 years old. You know, he will want to come back from this. He's only had ups, really, in his career so far until this. And I, I really feel for him today. You know, it's going to be hard for him to get over the manner of the defeat as much as the defeat itself. And if he's going to do that, all these people kind of coming out of the woodwork, criticising him, certainly not going to help. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel for him. But But back to Joyce. Great victory for him. He was magnanimous um, in the in the aftermath, I should say, as well. Gave credit to Dubois, said he can come again. Wasn't overly critical of the way the fight ended. Just the class we've come to expect from a man like Joe Joyce. And I think he gives a lot of the heavyweights out there at a higher level, or a supposedly higher level, a hard, hard fight. You know, he's a volume puncher. He's awkward. He's clever in his own way. And yeah, he's not the fastest. But he's not overly predictable either. People said that a lot in the build-up. You know what you're going to get from Joe Joyce. Well, I don't think he produced exactly what we thought we were going to get. I didn't see anyone saying, yeah, he's going to out-jab Dubois in the build-up. So, or he's going to win the fight completely on the front foot. I thought it was very similar tactically to the way Tyson Fury beat Deontay Wilder in the second fight. Remaining on the front foot, crowding the space for a puncher, using feints and footwork to force him to throw when he wasn't comfortable moving out when he needed to, and just, just keeping that pressure on, but subtly and not emptying the tank. I thought it was a very astute performance from Joe Joyce. And I think he's got that versatility now. We've seen it. And I think they're talking about him fighting Usyk if Anthony Joshua gives up the WBO belt, because presumably Joyce will take Dubois' number two position with the WBO. Usyk's mandatory and number one. And uh, he called out uh, Usyk in the post-fight interview as well. But I don't see that as being a good style match for Joe. I think, you know, Usyk's small and mobile and can match Joe's work rate. And I think that'll be a difficult, difficult fight for him. Um, but someone like, and it may sound crazy to say this will be an easier fight for Joe, but style-wise, I think Anthony Joshua would be more um, amenable to Joe's style than Usyk would. So if he keeps hold of that belt and um, Joe can somehow get the shot, I mean, Usyk maybe would fight Joshua and then Joe would have to wait until the next mandatory is called. But they can keep him busy in the meantime. You know, he could fight someone like a Derek Chisora, for example, who can always be resurrected and, and would be a good style match for Joe. But someone like Joshua, I think um, Joe has obviously sparred him over many years when they were both on GB, know each other well. But Joe, as a volume puncher and someone who can ride shots and take Joshua's power, at least in small doses, I think would give him a really, really hard night. I think he'd be in his face. I think he'd 
Um, he's tall as well, Joe, very big guy. He, could, he can match jabs with Joshua. And Joshua would have to fight very similar to how he fought in the Andy Ruiz rematch, in that he'd have to get on his back foot, circle the ring, fight when he needed to, and use that athleticism and those fresh legs and try and outbox Joe. Because he wouldn't be kind of keeping him off constantly, I don't think. So I think that'd be a really intriguing fight. And and Joe and his team would probably see it now, you know, as he's grown and grown as a pro, as a, as a potentially winnable fight as well. It's not like Joshua hasn't shown flaws. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I'd keep him away from Usyk because I think that's probably the worst style out there. Someone like Usyk or Tyson Fury, who's a bigger, you know, much, much bigger, heavier, stronger version of Usyk. I wouldn't want him, um, Joe Joyce, going up against him either. But those two aside, you know, I'd put him against pretty much anyone. But I think style-wise, next up, maybe someone like Chisora. Um, people might see that as a step down from Dubois. You know, it's arguable. But I'd like to see him against someone like that to keep busy and then ultimately build towards a shot at, at Joshua. Why not? Um, but we shall see. But let, let's remember Joyce was the one who won the fight. He won it with a very good performance. Let's not focus just on Daniel Dubois and the way the fight ended. And I've given my take on that. Um, but obviously I want to hear what you guys think. Let us know in the comments below who you'd like to see Joyce fight next. How you scored the fight up until it ended. Um, and what you made of the way in which it ended um, and Dubois' actions. I'll be back on Thursday for Flexpectations, looking ahead to three shows. Um, the Billy Joe Saunders, Martin Murray topped matching card on Friday. The uh, highly anticipated Anthony Yard, Lyndon Arthur showdown on uh, Saturday night on BT. And then the uh, in the US, the Fox uh, fight between... Uh, Danny Garcia challenging Errol Spence. First fight Spence has had since that horrific car crash. Um, Lou DeBell has done a deep dive on that fight, which you can watch on the channel right now. Um, but there will be the three uh, shows I'll be focusing on on Thursday. And then I'll be back for the next Reflections next Monday at 4.30pm. Really appreciate your time as always. And I'll see you all soon. Cheers.